I think I could throw 90 miles an hour. I could hit that hanging curveball, and I'd play for free. How did he miss that routine ground ball? Why doesn't he just throw strikes? Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Sometimes when we watch the game of baseball, especially if we're watching on TV, we think we could play the game better than those we're watching even at times when we're watching major leaguers. I remember when I was playing for the Pirates, Jim Leland was our manager, and he got thrown out of a game early on in the game. And so he had to go back into the clubhouse, into his office, and watch the game on television. After the game was over, he called a meeting, and among the things he talked about was the fact that, you know, he says, I realize that when you sit in your office and you're looking up at the TV, the the game looks a lot easier than it really is. And again... He's usually watching the game, not out at shortstop or in center field, but from the dugout. So he's much closer to the action, and he's seeing it in three dimensions. But he recognized how easy the game looked on television. But the game of baseball is a difficult game, and more so as you move up levels. Now, that being said, there are some things that aren't difficult, like getting your facts straight. Last week, I messed up twice. First of all, I said, I think on a couple of occasions, there were three weeks left in the regular season in Major League Baseball. That was wrong. There were actually four weeks. Now, that's not such a big deal, and I realized that it was my internal baseball clock functioning when I made that statement, that I failed to take into account the lockout and the added days at the end of the regular season. But my second mistake was much more significant. I said last Monday that the Angels were not playing on Monday, and so Mike Trout would continue his pursuit of a record for the most consecutive games hitting home run on Tuesday. But I was wrong. The Angels did play on Monday. They played against Cleveland. And on Monday, Mike Trout hit a home run again, which gave him seven consecutive games with a home run. He fell one shy of the record because he did not hit one the next day. But I messed that up. And I don't know if it's because I saw Guardians and Angels and my mind went somewhere else, but I apologized that I messed that up. It's not that hard. However, playing baseball is difficult. And as I mentioned, becomes more so as you work yourself up the various levels, from little league to, say, travel ball to high school, college, the minor leagues, and then ultimately Major League Baseball. It's difficult not only on the field, but also off the field. The preparation and dedication that goes into being successful at any level, but especially at the highest levels, is extremely difficult. It calls for a lot. So to go back to something I said in the introduction, for people who watch Major League Baseball and say, I would play for free, I get it. I I get what they're saying, but you, you, you shouldn't. And if you did, in my opinion, you'd be in sin. Because all that it requires, preparation and playing at the major league level, if you did it for free, 
you wouldn't be providing for your family. Now, when we watch major leaguers, especially the elite of the elite, we say they're so different from us. And in some sense, that is very true. We can't hit a baseball like they hit a baseball or throw a baseball or field a baseball like they do. But in other ways, they are truly just like us. They're human beings. They're human beings with problems. They're human beings with families, maybe children. And what we need to understand about that is that they are like us in many ways and not in other ways. It's a long way to the top in any sphere of life, and that's especially true as it regards Major League Baseball. Consider these numbers, and they fluctuate to a degree, but these are fairly accurate. Only 5 to 7% of all high school baseball players will play collegiately at any level. So we're not just talking about Vanderbilt and LSU and the like, any level. Division one, Division two, Division three, NAIA, and community college. Only five to seven percent. Only one half of one percent of high school players will be drafted out of high school. If you go on to play college baseball, only 10% of college baseball players are drafted. And of all of those who enter into minor league baseball, only 10% of those will play at least one game in the major leagues. So if you think about it this way, if you take 200 high school baseball players, only 10 to 15 will play in college, and only one, on average, will be drafted. If you go to college, of 200 college players, about 20 of those will be drafted. If you go to professional baseball at the minor league level and you look at 200 minor league players, only about 20 of those will play one game or more in Major League Baseball. And as it's been said, at least as long as I've been around professional baseball, it's hard to get to the Major Leagues. It's even harder to stay. So that one game, for some, it's one game or a handful of games. It's tough. It's difficult. It's difficult to get to the major leagues. It's even more difficult to stay in the major leagues. Now, I'm not trying to squash anyone's dreams, but I want us all to understand the reality as well. And if you are a young boy who's 8 or 13 or a young man who's 18 or 21, and you dream of being a major league baseball player, pursue that dream with passion. I did, and the Lord blessed me with the opportunity to fulfill that dream but understand the reality as well. But also understand this. We have these statistics. They tell us what has happened in the past. They tell us fairly accurately, statistically, what will happen in the future. But statistics do not determine whether a person becomes a Major League Baseball player or not. The Lord does in His providence. And we must keep that in mind as well. So pursue your dreams, Pursue them with the reality of the numbers, but also with the reality that God in his providence allows some to play in the major leagues and others not to. For coaches or parents, especially youth coaches and youth parents, let the boys play the game and enjoy it. Teach them the game. Don't allow them to do things that are disrespectful to other people or the game or whatever, but let them enjoy it. Even at the lower levels, it's difficult. And it becomes more difficult when you're the coach yelling at your 11-year-olds to get their head on straight. Or you're the parent yelling at little Johnny, Come on, Johnny, just throw strikes. Throw, Johnny, hit the ball. Johnny, don't swing at that ball up there. Stop it. Okay? 
let them enjoy the game. Again, don't let them do something that's wrong. Teach them the game, but let them enjoy the game. It's tough. And the higher they go, the more difficult it gets. So watching baseball on TV or looking at it at a computer screen can be deceiving. Fans, as they sit in their living rooms, and even those who work in the game of baseball for a major league organization sitting in their computer rooms can sometimes draw conclusions that don't line up with reality. The game can appear much easier than it is. This is true even if you're in the stands. I remember when I played in AAA for the Mets, it was in Tidewater at the old stadium. And so there were no bathrooms anywhere out on the field, in the dugout, bullpen, or whatever. So if you had to go to the bathroom, you had to go into the clubhouse. The way into the clubhouse was a door right behind home plate that had plexiglass in the upper part of it. So when the half inning ended, you'd go in, you would use the restroom, and as you came back out, oftentimes a half inning was still being played. And so I remember sitting there, looking through the plexiglass window, watching from about 60 feet or so behind the catcher, the pitcher pitching. Now remember, I wasn't a hitter. I rarely hit. I was a pitcher. But yet, even only 60 feet back from the catcher, the pitches looked very easy to hit. Far different perspective 60 feet behind the catcher than when you're in the batter's box. All people who have ever played this game would say that one of the most difficult aspects of it, and some would say the most difficult aspect of it, is handling failure. Because it is a game, just like life, with a lot of failure. If you were to go to Cooperstown and you were to walk by every plaque of every former player who is now elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame, there would be differences all over the place. But there would be this similarity. Every single guy who has a plaque in the Hall of Fame at some point in time has failed miserably on a baseball field. That is a reality that sometimes we forget. Now, I had a guy that I got a chance to work with with the Brewers. His name is Nick Davis. I believe he's still with the Brewers. I'm not 100% sure on that. He came as an intern. Nick is a brilliant young man. He went to MIT. He's a math whiz. Not only that, he had a baseball background. His dad, at the time, was a pitching coach with the St. Louis Cardinals organization in the minor leagues. He became the major league pitching coach for the Seattle Mariners, and last I knew, was the pitching coordinator for the Atlanta Braves. And Nick's dad was very good friends with Brent Strom, one of the most well-known and successful Major League pitching coaches. Very common, if you know anything about pitching coaches, you probably know about Stromy. And so Nick had that background, along with his brilliance in the way of mathematics. And I used to use Nick as an example. And at one point in time, I thought, you know, I'm using Nick as an example. I need to tell Nick what I'm doing. So one spring training, I I walked up to Nick and I said, Nick, I've been using you as an example, so I want to tell you how. And I said to him, Nick, I want to ask you a question. How did you feel when you failed that math test? And Nick said to me, well, I would ask you what math test you're talking about. I said, exactly. I said, you have never failed a math test. You may not have ever gotten below a 95 on a math test. I said, and this is it. What you are best at, what you are gifted by God at, you have never failed. But almost everybody who's played this game professionally, and especially at the major league level, what they're best at is baseball. And they have failed miserably. And there's a disconnect. 
And that disconnect is vital, not only for Nick Davis or for me to recognize, but for all fans. Failure is a part of the game. And even though a guy, say like Bryce Harper, maybe didn't experience miserable failure in Little League or travel ball, he didn't play college, but in maybe even in the minor leagues, he has experienced it. And everybody who has ever played has, especially, again, if they played at the major league level. And you can do a fact check about this, and it's the truth. Now, it is the truth. And it's the truth even though, at times, there are some players that make the game appear to be very easy. And the pitch. Deep to left. There it goes. He's run away from Ruth. Home run number 59 for Aaron Judge. And it's 10-4 Yankees. Unbelievable. Well, he gets a fastball, and he doesn't miss it. It's supposed to be on the outside. And again, absolutely crushes this ball. Perdomo knew it. The fans in Milwaukee knew it. The swing never changes. Now, only Roger Maris and Babe Ruth have ever hit more home runs in a season than Aaron Judge in the American League. So that was yesterday in Milwaukee, home run number 59 in the seventh inning of that game. He hit home run number 58 in the third inning of that game. And then he came up in the ninth inning and hit a two-run double. Now, Aaron Judge has never had a three-home run game, but he came close yesterday. And he was four for five yesterday, robbed of a double by Tyrone Taylor earlier in the game. He ended up with four RBI and three runs. As you heard, he is closing in on both Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. The American League record and the Yankee record for most home runs in a season is by Roger Maris with 61. He, of course, passed Babe Ruth. Roger Maris hit 61 in 1961. It has been 61 years since then. And right now, it appears that Judge is on his way to breaking that record. He also may be on his way to a triple crown. He is far and away leading the American League in all of baseball, both in home runs and RBI. But he is now tied for second in the American League for batting average, tied with Xander Bogarts. Only one one-thousandth of a percentage point behind Luis Arise. He is hitting 317, Bogarts and Judge 316. And if you look at the home runs, this is what makes it even more impressive. Not only that he's chasing a record, but that Aaron Judge has 59 home runs. The next closest in all of Major League Baseball is Kyle Schwarber with 39 home runs, which means Judge is hitting 50% more home runs than the second best home run hitter this year. That is remarkable. And consider that even though he's making the game look easy, consider the difficulty of chasing Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. Think of the difficulty of the fact that why would anybody pitch to him? He's trying to break this record, but he's the guy that you cannot let beat you at any point in time in the game. Consider the difficulty of doing this in New York. As I've mentioned several times, there are people that can excel in other markets and they get to New York and it's a different ball game. And he's done it there. And he's done it with the pressure of having turned down before the season started a massive contract. All of that, and he is doing what he is doing. It is remarkable. And we can debate Judge Otani, Judge Otani, as it regards who ought to win the American League MVP. What we should not do, however, is miss the fact that we are witnessing greatness and excellence 
in ways by both Judge and Otani that are historical, or I should say historic. Now, for Judge, his next game is tomorrow. I double-checked this time. It is tomorrow. The Yankees are definitely off today. It will be in New York, and it will be against the Pirates as Judge pursues this record, pursues a Triple Crown. Now, Judge is a veteran player, and he's making the game look easy. But there's also a rookie who is doing so as well. To the first month of the season, it has been unreal. Like you said, it's been unreal. High drive, left field, going back, and the Mariners have a one nothing lead already. Home run, number 27 for Hojo. RBI number 73. Stay hot. Julio Rodriguez, that was his fifth leadoff home run of this season. And he is staying hot. He is the first player in Major League Baseball history to hit 25 or more home runs and steal 25 or more bases in their debut season. And I believe he ought to be named AL Rookie of the Year. Now, baseball is difficult not only for the players, but at times for fans. And if you happen to be a Cincinnati Red fan, it's been a tough go lately. But there are some things to be encouraged about. Hunter Green came back from the IL on Saturday. He is the phenom, if you will. And I know he's had an up-and-down season, but this guy is going to be really, really good. He came back Saturday. He hadn't pitched since August 1st. Pitched against the Cardinals. Went six innings, gave up four hits, no runs, and struck out 11. And he had 47 pitches registered at 100 miles per hour or more, which is a major league record since they started tracking velocity. He broke the record of 39, which was held by Hunter Green. But maybe not as well known, but another another reason why Reds fans can be excited, in particular about their pitching, is Nick Lodolo. In his last three starts, he has gone six and a third innings, no walks, 11 strikeouts, eight innings, no walks, 11 strikeouts, six innings, one walk, nine strikeouts. His last start was Wednesday of last week. And he became only the sixth pitcher, that's 24 or younger, to have a three-game span, three starts in a row, with 30 or more strikeouts and one walk or less. In his three-game stretch, he had 31 strikeouts and one walk. Listen to this group of guys that had done it before him. Walker Bueller in 2019. Jose Fernandez in 2016. Dwight Gooden in 1984. Frank Tanana in 1976 and Burt Blylevin in 1971. So you're talking about some really, really good pitchers. And all of these guys were in the same general area. As I mentioned, Lodolo was 31 strikeouts, one walk. All of the guys were in that same area except one, Dwight Gooden. Doc, in 1984, in that three-game span, had 41 strikeouts and one walk. Doc Gooden, in 1984, was absolutely phenomenal. Now, some things are not only very difficult to accomplish, but some will never be accomplished again. I think one of those will be Cal Ripken's streak of consecutive games. But another one happened just this past week. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina set a record. 325 games working together as a battery, pitcher and catcher. St. Louis won that game. It was against the Brewers. Uh, Wayno went five innings, gave up eight hits, a run, two walks, and three strikeouts. As I mentioned, I believe a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, 
That broke the record that had been set by Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehan of the Detroit Tigers. Something else that isn't easy is to win 100 games in a season. But the Dodgers have done so three of the past four years. 114 seasons in the World Series era, which goes back to 1903, and it's win number 100 for the Dodgers. First team in Major League Baseball to hit the century mark, and they do it the fastest ever for the Dodgers in just 144 games. That was on Saturday night. They had a 7-2 win over the Giants in San Francisco. They also won yesterday, which means or last night, which means they swept that series. They now have 101 wins with 17 games still remaining. As I mentioned, three of the last four years, they've won 100-plus. Their franchise record they set in 2019 and 2021 of 106 wins. And obviously, there was no chance to win 100 games in 2020. So, with 17 games left, they're at 101 wins. I believe it's a foregone conclusion, humanly speaking at least, that they will set a franchise record for wins. Other teams that I think will win 100, Houston, the New York Mets, and Atlanta. Houston has 96 games, or 96 wins, with 15 games to play. The Mets, 93 wins with 14 to go. And the Braves, a little bit more of an upward climb, but I think they'll make it. 91 wins with 16 games remaining. Now, there have been hundreds of pitchers over the last two decades that I would have no problem at all convincing about the difficulty of pitching to this man. First pitch. Albert unloads. Deep left. And this game is tied. 6.98. Albert pulls. Two away from 700. Pujols did that on Friday against the Reds. He is on the brink of 700 career home runs. He's five years away from being elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame and I believe ought to be unanimously elected. He's nearing the end of a 22-year Major League Baseball career. He's one of the best right-handed, history, uh, right-handed hitters in the history of Major League Baseball and we could go on and on and on. But I guarantee you one thing that Albert Pujols would happily tell you this is a difficult game. His success over these 22 years is undoubtedly due to his God-given talent, and he'd happily give the glory to his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he would also tell you how important faithful and consistent preparation through the years has been. He will tell you that he is continually learning and making adjustments, even now as his career is just weeks away from ending. And I'm confident he would also tell you that it's vitally important to pay attention to the game overall and to the game within the game. That's 60-foot, 6-inch matchup, pitcher versus hitter. And that is why his career has been so enjoyable to watch and why so many people, not just Cardinal fans, are enthralled by what he is doing in this, his final season. Albert Pujols' career and final season remind us that the game is difficult, but beautiful to watch, and it's wonderful to play at any level, and we should enjoy it, whether we're playing it or watching it or, like Pujols, both. We should thank the Lord for the opportunity to watch or play or both. 
we should continually want to learn more about the game, about its history, about the strategy behind what happens from game to game and pitch to pitch. There is truly so much more than meets the undiscerning eye. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.